Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Sharil on 3CR and uh, we're going to look at the Australian film industry which is what our brief is. You will know of course that uh, today is the opening of the uh, Austra- uh, Melbourne International Film Festival but uh, we're not going to talk about the Melbourne International Film Festival. They can do that all by themselves. What we're going to do is uh, take you to a, a screening or a and a that happened with a fantastic Australian film director called Sophie Hyde. It wasn't just Sophie, it was the uh, person who does the editing as well. Now, uh, Sophie Hyde, you may remember, was the director that brought us the fantastic film in about 2012, I think it was, uh, 52 Tuesdays. Uh, fantastic um, film. And uh, this film is called Animals. It's going to be uh, opening in uh, England, uh, London, to this week. And uh nationally opening here on September the 12th. So uh, put it in your diary, uh, go and see it, uh, enjoy it. Um, But this particular event was held at Nova and it it was part of the actors, uh, the uh, people who have a membership to the AFI, Australian Film Institute, which is part of the actor uh, world, the Australian, I can't even remember what actor means. It's Australian, it's anyway, it's the film industry uh, peak body effectively in Australia. And uh, if you become an AFI membership, get an AFI membership, then you can uh, go to see a range of Australian films throughout the year. And also, I think you get to vote on uh, the best film in the actor awards that uh, come up each year. Uh, If you are an industry professional, then you can uh, join as an actor membership. But as a viewer who loves film and television, you just have to go online and uh, become a member for about $70 a year and you get access to uh, screenings with Q&A, film and TV premieres, masterclasses, uh, ticket savings, uh, cinema and festival discounts. It's so you know it's a it's a, a great investment, but uh, it allows you to listen to some of these fantastic uh, Q and As with uh, filmmakers and see their films. And Animals was a, a nice surprise, very nice. So let's go and listen to Sophie Hyde and her editor. After Fifty Two Tuesdays, 
I did get sent a bunch of material, like different things, but I wasn't sure what I was looking for, and I and um, I never really wanted to make any particular genre or whatever. I wanted to. I, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to read other material. It took me a long time to sort of work that out because we come from. We have a production company called Closer Productions. There's a team of seven of us. We've worked together for a long time. We generate our projects together. Um, we came through documentary and experimental movies and. Um, and uh, so we were really, we had a lot of ideas that we wanted to create and truthfully I read a bunch of scripts, never from Australia, always overseas. I think I've only ever been sent like two projects in Australia. Um, the scripts I was sent were like interesting ideas or they were good scripts and the two were not meeting very often. And um, animals... I, I read the script, it was a very early draft and it was all about um, preparing for a wedding and um, I read the book the same day and I loved the book and I just, I had this real sense of um, reading something that was very familiar, these very visceral characters, their kind of bodies were like all over it, the feeling of being hungover or desiring something or smelling somebody or whatever it was. I really re I related to that and I felt like I wasn't seeing anything like that I, and I wanted to know if that was possible to put on screen. So thankfully when I pitched it back to the producer and writer, um, the material I gave them, they were willing to go into that place, which was much closer to the book actually than where they were going before that. It was kind of bringing the book back in. Mm. And did Emma adapt her own book into the screenplay? She did, yeah. Wow. Which was great and really freeing. So it was her first... Um, film and um, the screenplay and she was sort of ready to embrace it and it was a very freeing process because we could just sort of let go of anything we wanted to whatever we wanted to do we could just go for it fully you know we would just uh, talk it out I couldn't even remember some of the things but it was me that kept sort of bringing back like quotes from the novel and um, you know these elements not necessarily characters or stories but ideas from the book and uh, even through the whole production process I would always um, write up quotes that stick on the production walls every week from the book and we would take elements and the cast and crew were kind of surrounded by the novel as well so we had the screenplay and we had the book to kind of draw on at the same time. That what you said about being able to like feel what the characters are feeling and smelling and touching that gets at something that I was struggling to like formulate into words for a question for you Brian because it is such a stylish film like it looks so beautiful but you also get so interior into these characters from like an objective place it's not voiceover or exposition or anything like that but we get so much of how their perspectives and how they're encountering the world through what we're looking at can you tell us a little bit about whether how much of that is your style, but also taking the material and going, how do we get into these women's heads? Uh, Sophie and I have worked together a lot, and uh, what was really interesting in the process of making this film was a lot of people were questioning what to, yeah, so is it Bridesmaids? Like, not really. Um, and so kind of trying to define what the film was, or what you were intending the film to be, was an interesting question, and certainly something that a lot of the people who were coming at the script were curious to know. So we sat down and made a mood reel, I guess, which is, we just looked at a whole bunch of films and went, is it this? No, okay, is it this? Oh, a little bit of that, a little, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. So we made a like three and a half minute 
kind of Moon Real Central Royals, yeah. um, which was uh, pulled from a whole range of different sources, uh, from Morgan Keller, With Nail and I, Ab Fab, um, oh Blue Valentine, like so many films that we love and shows and things that influence whether they were an influence for characters or for the look or whatever. And what was, it was a really interesting process because it was uh, as much as kind of defining what it was, it was really interesting for us to define what it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So in that process, it became quite clear what you wanted the film to be. And then we just chased that down the rabbit hole, really. Then that internal world idea, like it was always, that was what I found really interesting about the book, but how do you translate a book that is written from the point of view of a character into a movie? And the first four scripts, I think, all had voiceover, and um, the voiceover was, it was, it's a very, um, Emma's a very poetic writer, like it's, she's witty and she's poetic and you sort of want to take those words and she's very literary, so you were like, oh, we want to use that. But pulling that out of the film was really refreshing to the movie, like to take that away and to try and find how do we sit inside the world of the characters and how do we feel alongside Laura in particular, um, you know, who's telling the whole story and who the story is definitely from their perspective. You know, it was a matter of all of the pieces, right? It was like how we shot it, the way the girls, you know, the way that we worked with them and Holly, her um, feeling on set and like her sinking into all of those feelings, how we, you know, it was like all through it kept having to be trying to make it from her point of view in particular. I think that was the biggest shift from the book. Well, the book's being released in Australia in August, which it, it hasn't been so far, and it was quite a big book in the UK, which is where it was set in Manchester and, and, and written about there because that's where it was from. And um, that was probably the biggest departure in a way from the book was to the film was making it far more Laura's story and from Laura's point of view. Um, but that was a choice you guys made probably third draft somewhere around there that you went, okay, this is let's make it this right. What was what sort of steer yeah. that? It's a story about friendship, two friends, but it's ultimately the story of one woman essentially, and. Um, um, it was an awkward thing to try and work out, oh, how do we tell a story where we're celebrating that friendship, but it is also about someone moving on and getting past that friendship or needing to do something else. And that was a question that was right throughout the process and we kept struggling with it because it was like Tyler had to do things that would make us go, yeah, leave her, leave her. And yet we were like, we want to sell it, we want, really want to celebrate it. And it only came in the edit, actually, the kind of end section of her thinking back to the whole process of, of um, Tyler and who she was, uh, that it, right until then I don't think we'd ever nailed it. We were still going, oh, I don't want to demonise this character. I feel like at half my notes are about, I literally just wrote, I want to talk about Tyler <laughs> because she's, she's so familiar and she's so specific that you feel that judgment towards her at times. And then I found myself like scolding myself, being like, no, the whole point of this character is that she's like living free of these like ideas of what we're supposed to be as women. And I'm turning 30 soon. It was just a whole like emotional journey for me. Um, but that idea of what you said about someone being like, oh, so it's like bridesmaids, like that, that idea of like, bad or misbehaving women, was that something that you came up against a lot um, in terms of defining that character specifically based on the kind of 
you know, I feel like post-bridesmaids, there's been a handful of, like, women behaving badly kind of bad moms, movies. Bad mums too. Bad mums, bad mums too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. We came up against a lot of things, one of which was, you know, Tyler is a very abrasive character. She is, she is going to be that. Um, she's also American in the midst of all these Irish beauties, you know. <laughs> you know, so... But she is abrasive, and we wanted her to be, and that's part of the beauty of a character like that. Somebody that pushes and challenges and all of those things. Um, did we come up against that girls behaving badly thing? 100%. People would think that either a film about female friendship had to be really saccharine, or it had to be girls behaving badly, and that the place in the middle was really difficult for people to think about. Um, and certainly, um, I sat down with a lot of distributors around the world here as well, who told me that they'd done films about women five years ago and that it hadn't worked. So we had a real struggle with... Well, we made a film about a woman once and no one came to see it, so uh, yeah, we're done with that. Particularly young women, that's a sort of thing. It's like, we did one, we, didn't, we couldn't make it work. Um, it, it really does get spoken to you as obviously as that yeah. all the time. Um, so that was tough. You know, yeah, you have an abrasive character like that, a kind of with nail character, but it's very unusual for a woman. And so we were often told, like, we want to make that character more likeable. Um, there was loads and loads of those kinds of conversations. Which is pretty funny, because we love Tyler. You see all the reasons I mean, you hate her well. why they're friends, as well yeah. as the reasons why they, sh they can't be forever. And at the same time, like, we talked a lot about Tyler being inside the safety. She's a very domesticated animal do you know like she's inside the safety of the party that's what she does like she's they both are a little bit stuck there so it's like how do you love that and also question it so you can't stay there forever necessarily mm -hmm. being like that you can but you, you also maybe are not challenging much about yourself mm -hmm. tune in to on screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. And indeed you are on 3CR, you're on Showreel and we're looking at Australian film and uh, we're actually at a Q&A, at a uh, Q&A that was put on by the actors. Uh, if you want to be a member of the uh, the actors and get to see these films and listen to Q&As, then you can go online and uh, get a membership to the AFI if you're not a... A practitioner, but uh, a, a great watcher. You give good audience, then uh, then you could uh, involve yourself by uh, coming to some of these screenings and listening to, to these fantastic conversations about how films are actually made. And this is a conversation with Sophie Hyde, who was very well known for her Fifty Two Tuesdays and probably other things, but that's where she came to my notice. And uh, she obviously works with a group of people and they make fantastic films. And their latest film is a, an adaptation of a very popular English uh, book called Animals. And uh, let's continue with what they have to say because it's quite fascinating to listen to uh, people who uh, spin story into gold. 
Why nothing from Australia? There is something about, we live in Adelaide. We've worked on our own for 20 years. Do you know, we've made our own things. And every time we come into Melbourne or Sydney, everyone's like, oh, you guys make that. Like, there's, oh. a, there's a forgetfulness about that. We're not around, do you know? Like, we're not at drinks and stuff. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I. I think I generate my own work a lot, and so people in Australia think, oh, we won't put her on as a director, necessarily, and that's fair, like, it's harder, it's, it's a, more of a leap for me to want to do that. Um, my agents are um, in America, so maybe that's it. I don't, have an, I don't have an agent here, I never have, because I always think in Australia, you know, we know each other, so I would just have a conversation about that, you know? Um, it seems crazy to have somebody in between us. Um, but, I, I mean, I guess part of it is I've never put myself out into those roles, but it is interesting, isn't it? Like, I've only just been sent a few things of, like, do you want to do this a few times in Australia? You're being very polite. I don't know. Oh, come on. So, if, look, so his first feature film, 52 Tuesdays, won a directing award at Sundance Film Festival. Yeah. Quite frankly, if any man won a film a directing award at Sundance Film Festival, there would be lauded and put on a fucking pedestal. That yeah. didn't happen when you won that award. You got sent a couple of scripts from Australia, but a lot of international interest. I mean, it's just the way it went. I mean, you know, is it just because you're a woman? Don't know. But does that factor in? Yeah, it factors in. You know. I'm really interested in how you're able to uh, make it real. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it's very naturalistic. It's like you're over-listening. It felt like I actually didn't hate Tyler at all. In fact, I felt like these people were like people I knew in the 80s. Um, and it was really normal. Uh, you know, that's what people were doing. You did it in 52 Tuesdays as well. Pe you've got this gift of uh, making things seem like people are just there and you somehow... I mean, you did all the cuts. I mean, I watched all the cuts. But somehow or other, it was freefall. Very lived in the characters. Yeah, yeah, the characters. Yeah. It's like you're over listening their lives. Yeah. How did you do that? I mean, obviously, you're a director. That's why it's like that. Thank you. That's a very nice comment. Yeah, I mean, that is what I care about myself. Um, and I spend a lot of time rehearsing with the cast, like a great deal of time. We do a lot of work. And then the people that I collaborate with um, equally bring all of their stuff. And it's. Um, Brian and I have worked together for a long time on all of our films and um, so there's this shorthand, like we are looking for the same thing and performance is at the centre of that. The most important thing to both of us, the, all that beauty and everything is part of it but the performance is the number one thing. So when we're shooting, that's what we're going for. When we're editing, we're always protecting and looking after the performance and that's how, for me, it feels the most real, like we will choose a flawed shot to make the performance work. <laughs> but rehearsals is a big part of that for me and like being really truthful and honest and frank with each other. So we become, I mean, the animals cast, uh, we become very close because we're working so intimately and the writer and everybody, it becomes a very, you know, intimate world. The set is, it's really important how the set runs to both of us, like that, it's this weird thing about actors where you're sort of protecting them all the time and they can be quite difficult and like there's a lot of stuff around them anyway but in fact they're the ones that stand there and be really vulnerable and show you all of that stuff 
and they no one else can do that. So I always have this thing of everything on set has to make that work, but not in a precious way, just in a way that's like, none of us are standing here naked like this. So we have to all make it work for them, I think. They're, they're the ones essentially that do that. You know, we sort of just protect them. I mean, I think you have a really good process in terms of your rehearsal and the familiarity you build with actors pretty quickly and then with their characters pretty quickly through that process. So certainly by the time we step onto set, you feel like the characters are already well lived in. So when it came to filming it, it was kind of, they already felt like, oh, I can feel the backstory. I can feel that you guys have been friends for a long time. Like, we don't have to kind of uh, fabricate that. That sort of, with the work you've done with them already prior to filming felt like they had already done that work, which is it's pretty great from a filmmaking point of view. Like, because production, once you're in the, the thick of it, it's pretty hectic. Yeah, it so, kind of keeps going. It's like yeah. a treadmill, you know, it just keeps on going. We did great things with this project where, you know, none of them knew each other very well, so they all had to meet. And, and Holly was doing an Irish accent, so she would just meet everyone in an Irish accent, and they would do very... Uh, you know, you have to create intimacy super fast, so they had to do exercises to do that. And some, uh, like her and Dermot, who plays Marty, cocaine guy, <laughs> <laughs> they had to meet, you know, in character, very particular tasks. You know, they had to turn over bits of paper and tell each other certain things, and um, it, each of them sort of met in a different way. And not kind of a very... It wasn't super strict. It was all part of the game, you know, so it was... Um, yeah, they all met like that, so they created it straight away. What was that casting process like? Because Alia is obviously known for like such different projects, mostly in TV, but also in independent film. And is it is Holly a stage actress? She's actually she's like Alia. She's been on um, film since she was eight years old. Oh, wow. She's mostly known as like an English rose. She does a lot of period dramas. Um, she also does like a strike, the J.K. Rowling series. Um, so, but you know, in the UK, she's very known as kind of a, a period actress. You know, um, she's so gorgeous and and she looks amazing in all of those things. And she's always been very grounded, but she's not done a huge amount of this very modern kind of grotty sort of work. So that was her, like finding her. I really wanted the two of them to be surprising in their characters and also together. And Alia was, you know, I knew her really from Arrested Development and now from Search Party and all of those things. But she, um, I'd never seen her like this. I felt like I'd always seen her a bit awkward and a bit cool, but never kind of this sort of broad, broad about town. And old world movie star. Yeah. And I Skyped with her and she was a little bit boozy and she was like, she just talked to me about how I fucking hate couples. She was telling me and I was like, oh my God, she is tired. She is. And, uh, but truly, like, her character really, like, fell in when we moved the film to Dublin and we got the, the sort of feeling of the sets and everything and uh, we started working in costume and there was the whole, like, turn her into a very glamorous person. Because prior to that, in the book, she wears a lot of hoodies and she wears a lot of sneakers, and the shift into this kind of like glamour really sort of changed that role, which was great. You know, every day I feel like all of those characters actually. Like I, you know, very strongly relate to Jim <laughs> because I'm a filmmaker, so I like literally work, you know, twenty hours a day or whatever. Um, 
uh, you know, and but I, I like to adventure, yeah, of course. Um, and I feel like Jean, my sister, when she watched the movie, she rang me and said, um, my husband wants to know if I'm okay with the baby scene. Um, <laughs> and I didn't write the baby scene, you know, that was written before I came on, but my sister and I, when I had a baby, had a very similar experience to that. <laughs> so for my sister, I'm Jean, you know, the character. We all are, I mean, I relate strongly to them all. Um, but in terms of the curiosity of like searching for who you are in the world and trying to work that out, yes, I mean that is like um, I have this feeling that in movies we always have this um, the character wants something. you know that's the driving force behind a character. that's what narrative is. you know they have a want. And as a woman, I'm always like, oh, I don't I, I don't know. I can't tell what I want or what I'm supposed to want anytime. So I find that a really, so I want to make stories about that. Like, how do I even work out what I want? My desires feel very competing, you know, all the time. And, um, and I think that's what's going on for Laura. Like, she doesn't, she has a lot of competing desires and she has to work out harder. Which one wins at any one moment? And I think, um, you know, we set it up as a sort of a binary question. Is she gonna choose Jim or, or um, Tyler? Is she gonna choose writing or the party? settling down on the party and the, I, and I always loved in the book that she never chose those she chose something else and that was a big part of why I wanted to make the film so I think um, that kind of curiosity that she has and that want to live in the world really big um, for me what I connected to and that we all sort of bought into the film was that that was the freedom for her was inside the write, writing at the end inside the work sitting down and doing it that was where she was the most free which is what we were going for. Uh, like Emma, the writer, is the same age as me, so yes. I mean, there was, and we talked a lot about the nostalgia and whether we would set it back, you know, or whether we'd make it current, and we, and we chose to make it now. Um, in terms of personal, I think every film that I make, and probably everyone does, I'm just really um, honest about it, is like it is, you know, you are making it about you, and all of you come together, and everyone has their sort of personal take on it. Um, it's very autobiographical for Emma, the writer, and so um, and yet when I watch it, I see myself all over it. Do you know, um, when we screened it in Adelaide, Emma came over from the UK, and in the middle of the end, where Laura's like sort of ranting about work-life balance and everything, Emma kind of got up in the middle, and she'd had a whole bottle of champagne during the thing, and she, and she snuck into the screen. She kind of came over to me across the thing, and she. Sophie, I love this bit. Like, my sister loves this bit. And she went on and on. David Stratton was just in front of her. And, um, and she sat next to me and held my hand and her phone started going off. Her phone started going off in the, the last scene when like, Laura's eye, like, eyeing down the fox. And it's like, her phone starts ringing off. Oh my God, really? But she, like, it felt like she'd walked off the screen. And she did, but all of us did. Like, if, if you ever, you know, all... That is the thing, is like the, the crew making it become what yeah. you make. And I think that's on every, every project that you do, is like you, you replicate yourself, but also that becomes part of you, the process that's going on on screen. Or well, you try and find your truth or how you interact with the material, <laughs> like how the material relates to your life and that's what you attach to, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, because of that whole problem of people not wanting to finance the movie. Uh, you know, we ended up with people who really wanted to finance the movie, and so those people really backed what I wanted to say and backed it all the way through. 
and it's one of the silver linings of that kind of process is that you know people really support what you do yeah not having to do it for less money and less resources but a little bit more control that's good which is better and uh, that ends the show. The, the film they're talking about is Animals. It's going to open nationally September the 12th. Sophie Hyde, the director, is a spinner of Straw Into Gold and she works with a fantastic team. So uh, coming up next is Published or Not. I really recommend that film and I really think that she is a truly great director. We're going to go out again with uh, Arnie DeFranco because I love this. This is called Self-Evident. Here's a toast to all the folks that live in Palestine, Afghanistan, Iraq, El Salvador. Here's a toast to all the folks living on the Pine Ridge Reservation, under the stone-cold gaze of Mount Rushmore. Here's a toast to all those nurses and doctors who daily provide women with a choice, who stand down a threat the size of Oklahoma City just to listen to a young woman's voice. Here's a toast to all those folks on death row right now, awaiting the executioner's guillotine, who are shackled there with dread and can only escape into their heads to find peace in the form of a dream. Peace in the form of a dream. Peace in the form of a dream. Because take away our playstations, and we are a third world nation under the thumb of some blue blood royal son who stole the Oval Office and that phony election. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.